Church family, we don't normally do this, but I'm going to ask, could you stand up for the reading of God's word this morning? If you're able, stand, and I'll read from the gospel tool, thought unit, and then um, for, from 1 Corinthians 14 and 12. So I mentioned earlier that we're, for you, that our guests were working through something called the Gospel Tool. It's got 40 thought units, and we've got a sermon roughly shaped. We're sticking with the Word of the Lord, Scripture for the sermons, but correlates to the thought unit. And so the thought unit this morning is this. Um, we've just, we've just been reflecting on our calling as the body of Christ in this world, the light of the world, a royal priesthood that embodies the reality of the kingdom of heaven on earth. A huge calling. And, and so now this thought unit says, for fulfilling our part of this calling, God generously provides us with spiritual gifts. These are talents that seem to flow out of the unique way we image God. They're also supernatural expressions of the Holy Spirit given for specific ministry needs. God also provides particular people as gifts to lead, teach, care for, encourage, and build us up in Christ. And then our text this morning from 1 Corinthians. I'm going to begin and end with one verse that will form the theme of what I'm preaching, but read fair amount of others. And that verse is from 1 Corinthians 14.1, where Paul says, Follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. Beginning at chapter 12, verse 1. Now about spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be ignorant You know that when you were pagans or unbelievers, somehow or another, you were influenced and led astray by mute idols. Therefore, I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all people. Now to each one, a manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, a a message or a word of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines. The body is a unit Though it's made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free. And we were all given the one Spirit to drink. 
to drink. And then Paul goes and talks about various parts of the body and how none is more important than the other. They're all interdependent. And then down to verse 27, he says to them, Now you are the body of Christ. Each one of you is a part of it. And in the church, God's appointed, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then workers of miracles, also those having gifts of healing, those able to help others, those with gifts of administration, and those speaking in different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret, but eagerly desire the greater gifts. And now I'll show you the most excellent way, and he's speaking about ministry or pursuing the gifts, and he, you know the chapter he goes on to talk about love has to be the motivation and the foundation, and he ends that by saying, follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. The word of the Lord. Amen. You may have a seat. Many of you are aware that um, our church has had a long relationship with a ministry called Presbyterian Reformed Ministries International, PRMI, and that uh, we, some of us as leaders uh, work with them and teach with them. They teach about the person and work of Holy Spirit from a Reformed perspective, and we're deeply, deeply grateful for their ministry. But for my continuing education this year, I decided that I wanted to do some learning Outside of that stream, I wanted to go expose myself somewhere else. So I went to a short conference uh, by Dr. Randy Clark, who's a longtime Baptist then Vineyard pastor who now runs a seminary and a global ministry called Global Awakening. Uh, very humble, humble and um, beautiful servant of God. And uh, I want to start just by sharing a story uh, that I heard at that conference from one of his his, uh, he would be like an intern, but he, he travels with him. He's in his, his um, mid-twenties, I think. His name was Brian Starley, and he gave a talk on uh, making ourselves available to be inconvenienced by God, to be used by him at unexpected times and ways. And he shared some stories of how that had happened to him, and as he was doing so, he shared this story that I was deeply blessed by. He said, one night I came, we, we finished a, a conference uh, or some teaching at our home church in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. It was late at night and I returned to my apartment, which is in a downtown area, and I was just about to put my uh, code in my apartment to enter in and I, and I felt strongly a prompt of the Holy Spirit, turn around and go to the coffee shop across the street. And he was honest. He said, Lord, really? Is that you? I'm tired. I've just been ministering all day. And he said the thought came again very strongly. And he said, oh, okay. And so he turned around and he walked across the street to this coffee shop late at night. And he looked in and it's empty. And there's a light on in the back, but he doesn't see anybody. He knocks on the door. Nobody comes. And he's kind of standing there. If you can picture a dark street late at night across from his apartment. He's standing there and he and it has one of these 
uh, feeling kind of dumb moments like, well, maybe that wasn't you, Lord. I don't know. And he said his attitude was really bad. I'm just telling it like he told it to us, okay? So, so he says, I'm, I'm turning around to go back across the street to my apartment and all of a sudden, two doors down, a door to a gay bar bursts open and out come six men, drunk, filing into the street. And he said, oh no. And he goes, I turned to walk to my apartment and immediately one of them said, hey cutie. And as soon as he said that, I knew in my spirit God was calling me to turn around and engage with them. So I was afraid, but I went and I walked and I didn't know what I was going to say and I just prayed a help Lord prayer. And the moment I arrived at those six men, without me even thinking about it, out of my mouth came the words to directly to one of them, how many shots did you need to drink tonight before your L5 pain went away? And the man was so drunk that he didn't even notice that Brian shouldn't have known that, and he just started to answer, and he said, normally it takes me this many shots, on a bad night it takes this many shots, but tonight I had to have this many shots. And he's just telling them, but another guy notices what's going on, and he, all of a sudden he comes around front, and he gets up in Brian's face, and he goes, hey man, are you a cop? And Brian's like, no, 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 sorry. I, so I'm, I'm a Christian, and um, sometimes God shows me things because he loves people. And he said, as he was speaking that, he began to get a word of knowledge about the man that, was, that had asked him that. And he just started to speak, and he said, and actually, you don't belong in this community. You're not gay. You're only here because you're lonely, and this hurt happened to you. And before he was finished speaking, that man was weeping on the ground. And then he began to speak to each one of the men that were standing there, and the Lord just kept giving him words to speak to them that were individual to them until all six of them were weeping. He asked if he could pray for the man whose L5 pain was, was in pain and God healed him completely. He had the opportunity that night, this young, quiet, unassuming man who was not looking for it, had the opportunity to lead all six of them to faith in Jesus Christ on the street at midnight, and he said, I had them lay hands on each other and pray to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Power and love together make the gospel effective. Power and love together. We might have compassion for people. We might want to draw them to Jesus, but we don't know what to say. We don't know what hurts. We don't know what they need to hear. We don't know what's going to connect with their heart. We need the wisdom of God, the revelation of God. We need the power of God to touch them, to open something up in them, to heal them, in order to bring the gospel of God to them. Not every situation, but in many. And so the New Testament makes clear that God, as he calls us, to witness, as he calls us to embody the gospel, gives us gifts. He doesn't call us to do that alone. He calls us to work in cooperation with his Holy Spirit. So when you read the New Testament, you see Paul counseling the churches. There's a number of spots where he talks to them about these gifts. And I want to just say a little bit about each one because there's, there's something to note about a little difference. There's three main lists. One in Romans, one in Ephesians, and one in Corinthians. And if you look at the Romans list, Paul names seven, we'll call them functions, seven ways that we, we tend to be wired as people. 
We call these sometimes functional gifts because if you look at them, they describe specific ways that we seem to be created in the image of God. Some people are just really merciful. Some people just have a real prophetic voice. They're almost always responding to things that are wrong and are unjust and they're calling for the right. Some people are really generous. Some people are really good administrators. They're they're gifted that way. And these, these gifts in Romans, you'll often see people functioning in their giftedness long before they're a Christian. But when they're a Christian, the gifts get turned around and animated and used for the glory of God. Okay? So that Romans list is really about how has God wired you? And most of us have some sense of that. But if you don't, there's lots of helpful spiritual gift inventories or tests that you could take. And if there's anyone here that wants to take one, I want you to talk to Mark Essenberg and he will, he will help you to, to, to find a test that's good for you. You move from Romans over to Ephesians and the gifts are not, at that point, they're not ways that were wired or that were created in the image of God. But in Ephesians, the gifts are people. Paul says, God's given apostles and prophets and evangelists, shepherds and teachers. Why? So that they can build up the body for the work of ministry or for works of service. Not to do the ministry, but to build up the body. Why? So that all would grow to unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and attain to the whole or the full measure of Jesus Christ. So in Ephesians, the gifts are people that are given to help you and I grow to maturity to the full measure of Jesus. His character, his relationship with the Father, his ability to minister. I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do the things I've been doing and even greater things than these. So the gifts in Ephesians are people to help us grow up in Christ. Then you move over to Corinthians and you've got what we read. And and at the end of that chapter 12, those last verses I I read when I skipped a bit, Paul actually blends all three lists together. He's got some people in there. He's got some um, functional gifts listed in there. And he's got some of the beginning of chapter 12, these manifestations blended together. So then in the beginning of chapter 12, we've got... What do we have? Not ways we're wired, not people, but Paul says, now to each one a manifestation of the Spirit is given. Now that's not a word we use a lot. What does that mean? To manifest something means to show it forth, to make it plain, to help others to see and to experience something. And he says it's a manifestation of the Spirit. Well, in in 2 Corinthians, he says, now the Lord is the Spirit. Right? Whose Spirit is it? It's Jesus and the Father, right? So here's a really plain way of saying what a manifestation of the Spirit is. It's a way of making Jesus present. When the Spirit gives a gift, when he manifests in one of these gifts, like he did through Brian in that opening story, all of a sudden, someone's experiencing God. There's a God who knows me. There's a God who loves me. He knows things about me that you couldn't have known. And he told them to you and he brought you to me. Jesus is being experienced as really present through a believer working as a priest to reconcile somebody to God.
manifestation of the Spirit, something that makes Jesus present in the church and through the church. So what I want to do now, we're going to look at this list. We don't have time. It's just one sermon on one Sunday morning. I'm not going to go through all of them, but I'm going to tell a few stories to whet our appetite for hunger and growth in these manifestations of the Spirit. And then I'm going to talk to you about why would we not experience them in our personal lives and in our gatherings as a church? And why would we? Or how could we um, foster a, a cultivate an environment or a life in which we experienced God working with us and through us in this way? Okay, so first stories. Um, some of you will remember that about seven years ago, Mark and Rebecca Essenberg were not here. They're in the back. Could you guys just wave to us? Mark and Rebecca were missionaries in Romania, and they felt God calling them back to the United States to adopt. They couldn't adopt in Romania. They felt called to adopt as a part of their ministry, and they felt called to work with young kids. And at the time, God was doing something here where we had young kids coming in off the street and um, like coming to worship without parents. And we didn't have a children's um, time for them during the service, and we, we were praying, like, what could we do for them? And so we had gathered a group of people to pray, and um, God brought us into contact with this beautiful young couple at a dunamis conference, and as we listened to them, they started to articulate a sense of calling to exactly what we had been praying for, but we thought we were praying for some, we didn't think we were praying for someone that was going to be an employee at our church, like a full-time position. We thought we were praying for somebody who was going to like lead a volunteer ministry. So... What do we do? You know, they're, they're articulating this sense of calling. And, and so Pastor Gina and I met with them on a Friday morning right here. We had four chairs right there. And we te- tentatively and hesitantly ex- explained what we'd been praying for. And we wondered, could God be at work here? And might he be calling you to Gold Avenue Church? And, you know, we weren't, sh- we weren't sure. But we, we think we see him working here. And, and could you see yourself even in a, in a full-time position? Because that's what you're articulating a sense of call to. And we barely had it out of our mouth. And they said, yes! That's the gift of faith. Not faith to believe in Jesus Christ for salvation, but faith to believe God's doing something and I'm going to cooperate. Because it didn't make any rational sense that we should call them to a full-time position, that they who were wanting to adopt, which costs money, and wanting to purchase a home, which costs money, would say to us, oh, we also said to them, if you come into this position, you need to fundraise for it. We don't have any money. And they said, yes! When God's working, you, someone in a situation, will often find a yes in their heart, rising it up. Maybe it's he wants to bring physical healing in a situation and somebody has this incredible strong desire, God wants to do this and I'm going to pray for it. That's the Holy Spirit working. It's the gift of faith rising up. We've got to learn how to cooperate with it, okay? So to, to one is given a manifestation of or a gift of faith. Prophecy... Um, I have experienced so much blessing through the gift of prophecy. I know that it's been abused in circles and um, misunderstood in circles, but where I travel, the gift has been stewarded 
according to the word of God. And I've just been so deeply blessed. And I'll just share one small story. When I was coming back from sabbatical in 2017, the last thing I did was took a three-day retreat to be silent and to pray and to seek God as I re-entered ministry here. And as a part of that, I said, "Um, Lord, what questions should I ask you? And he gave me some, I felt he gave questions to ask. And one of them was uh, about re-entering and uh, what my... Uh, what what guidance would you give me as I re-enter? And I, I felt him say, don't assume you're stepping back into the same things you left when you left. And so then I asked, are there any specific words or impressions that you would want to give me or direction or guidance for what ministry I'm stepping into as I as I come back? And the Lord gave me three words, but one of them was the word fire starter. And, you know, when you, I don't view myself as a fire starter. I, I didn't. No, I do now. I didn't. Um, we're talking about revival fire and fires of, lighting fires of passion for Jesus Christ and of the gospel and um, of gratitude for the work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, but I didn't view myself that way at that time. And so I just wrote the word on paper and I didn't do a whole lot with it. Six months later, I was at a, a Dunamis Fellowship International Gathering, and there was an opportunity to receive prayer. And I was in a room with a team of three, and an older gentleman, the team was listening to the Lord, and an older gentleman says to me, I don't know if this makes any sense at all, but I just keep hearing the word fire starter. Okay. And so he said, I believe, I, you know, he really he hesitantly gave it to me. He didn't say, thus says the Lord. He just says, I I believe the Lord has a role for you in lighting fires for the gospel and for the work of the Spirit. And I knew in that moment, as he brought that, that he couldn't have constructed it. And the Lord had laid it in my heart earlier. And so he was putting it together. And just that, that tender little gift has carried me forward with this sense of calling. God, you're calling me to do this, and I can keep going when it's very difficult, when it's hard. It's often where prophecy really helps us. Paul says it's to strengthen, it's to encourage, it's to build up, right? It did that for me. The gift of tongues. Um, Beautiful gift. Very misunderstood. Uh, A lot of hurt and skepticism around it. Don't have time to go into that now, but here's here's a story of how I saw the Lord use that gift beautifully. Um, in the prayer room right there, a team is ministering to a gentleman who's stuck. He's very hard. His heart is closed, so he wants help. He wants to change, but um, there's just a real stuckness. And the love of God is being spoken to him. It's being represented, but he's not opening up. Something's stuck, and he's aware of it too. And the team doesn't quite know how to proceed. And a gentleman in the ministry felt felt the leading uh, of the Lord to sing in tongues. And so he gently asked, this is the prompt I'm getting. Would it be okay if I did this? I don't have a, a sense of what the Lord's going to do. It Could I just sing? So the team discerned and said, yes, that would be okay. The ministry recipient said, that'd be fine with me. And so the, the man just began to sing gently, softly, sweetly. And as he sang, the entire 
atmosphere of the room shifted. It was like all hardness and reservation just melted. And, the, and it was like the love of God just came on this man and he slumped back on the, the couch in there and just began to cry and to receive the love of God. Now, it's a mystery. How does God do that? But he did. I'd say through the gift of faith and tongues, because it took faith for someone to do that. But as they spoke using that gift, he opened up, something broken opened up, and he began to receive, and the whole time of ministry changed. The power of God, combined with the love of God, leads to the transformation of God. Let me share with you one more story. This also comes from my experience at the, the conference a few weeks ago, and it's a, it's a combination of words of knowledge and miraculous powers. God often, uh, very often, these gifts are partnered together. They work in conjunction. When the Spirit's working, he's giving multiple gifts. So the closing evening of the conference, the sense that the leadership had was to offer an opportunity, a time to pray for healing for all who needed in particular, physical healing. And they did that in multiple ways, but one of the ways they did that was that two of the leaders were listening to the Lord, and as they had impressions of physical conditions that needed healing, they would speak those out. Now, they had about, this is a large gathering, they probably had about 20 to 25 each. Friends, I watched people walk up with scoliosis, and have their spines straightened. I watched a woman with a rod in her back become able to bend over. As these were called out, and people went forward, and they received prayer, and the power of God came on them. But I want to tell you, there's one that touched me. It doesn't seem as, as great as scoliosis being healed or a rod in the back, but it, that touched me the most was a detached retina. Because when the speaker said, I sense that there's somebody here that has a detached retina that the Lord would like to, to, to heal, immediately from three rows behind me, yes! And I turned around and one woman is already weeping and embracing a friend and at the same time pushing her forward. And in that moment it was just like, This is how much it matters when you do this, God, when you work this way, when we're helpless, when we can't do anything to change our situation. This is what it was like in the Gospels when when people were flocking to you, Jesus, going, you are the only hope. Can you do something? And I just watched restoration happen as the gifts of the Spirit were working or were flowing. Power of God and the love of God brings transformation. People came to Christ that night because they saw the power of the gospel at work. So, what would contribute to us not experiencing these things and how would we cultivate an ability to work with God in this way? Real briefly, four things that would contribute to not experiencing. Number one, ignorance. Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant or unaware, brothers and sisters, about spiritual gifts. I want you to be aware. And then he goes on and he teaches for a couple of chapters. And I imagine that what he wrote 
in these couple of chapters probably pales in comparison to what he said when he was in person. You get the impression that he was slightly wordy. He talked all night, right? Taught, taught all night about the kingdom of God when he was in certain places. So we're getting glimpses in scripture, but Paul's got the heart of a teacher. I don't want you to be unaware. You need to know. You need to be taught. We need to be taught. How? What do these gifts look like? What is it? Look like to do the work of discernment. How do we hear the voice of God? How do I know when an impression is from the Lord and when it's from me? How do I do the discernment work? How do I act on something if I think it's from the Lord? We need to be taught all those things. And so the first thing that makes me think is, I'm sorry, and Pastor Gina is sorry, that in eight and eleven and a half years, we've never taught on these things here in public worship in any detail. We've referenced them, we've told some stories, but we've never done in, in detail teaching. And so we'll let that change over the course of the next year. We'll let that change. We'll let the Lord work out the timing. But what we'll teach, because we need to know these are good gifts. God, When God gives a gift, he expects us to receive it with open hands with welcome he expects us to say thank you you want to give that to me you want to do that through me thank you help me learn help me grow which leads me to the second reason why we might not experience the gifts and that's pride if we think i don't need them i don't want them i don't I can be a faithful Christian. I can be a faithful witness. I can faithfully lead people to Jesus and disciple them without these gifts. I don't need them. I mean, we wouldn't say that. Most of us wouldn't say that. But functionally, we often act like it. And I did. I became a minister without knowing anything about the work of the Spirit. And it was my first year at Gold here that taught me I don't have any capacity to bring transformation. It's all you, Jesus. It's all you. And I need to know how to work with you. I know how to preach the gospel. I know how to speak truth. But I also need to know about the work of your spirit. I need to know how to learn what you're doing and to work with you. I need to be dependent. So the first thing is I need to be aware. Second thing is I need to be dependent. The third thing is um, I need to watch out for fear. Fear is it can really quickly quench or shut down the work of the Spirit. God, the Scripture says, God's not given us the spirit of fear, one of power and of love and of sound mind. He's given us the ability to discern. And so we don't look at the, the wacky stuff and the crazy stuff and go, huh, well, that's all really bad, and so I'm going to throw out the baby with the bathwater and reject the good gift God's given because of the damage it can do. We don't do that. Paul doesn't do that. This letter to the Corinthians is one of the messiest letters to one of the messiest churches in the New Testament. And you don't see him doing that. In fact, he says the exact opposite. He says, eagerly desire. Another translation is, zealously long or lust for. These gifts of the Spirit. So we don't let fear dictate. We don't let fear of unknown or things we don't understand dictate. We don't let fear of messiness dictate. If you want to grow in in these gifts, you've got to allow for messiness. You've got to allow for imperfection. You've got to allow for people to try things. You've got to allow for failure. You've got to allow for getting it wrong. It's got to happen. You have to create grace space 
where people can use their gifts and they can say, I think I'm having this impression. I think the Lord might be, but I don't know. You have to create a humble space where trying is welcome and you cannot be afraid of messiness. So you teach. We've got to be aware. We're not, a, we're not, we're dependent. We're not afraid. And the last thing is we have to foster faith because unbelief shuts down the, the ability for the Spirit to work through us. If we've got a, a, God could use me this way, God doesn't want to work through me in this way, well then he won't. We've already shut him down. We've already set the bar. We've already set the expectation. We're not hungering like Paul says. We're actually completely devoid of hunger and expecting nothing. We... Even when we attempt to begin to learn, uh, many of us struggle with negative critical self-talk or with like reasoning in our minds. And, and these things, functionally, they block God working. They block the flow of his love. Right? God loves people. His love draws us towards people. Negative critical self-talk and reasoning gets us focused on ourselves, not others, ourselves, our fear of failure, our fear of looking stupid, and a place of unbelief. So we have to learn how to recognize those things, put them away with the help of the Spirit, and let love draw us toward people and situations in which we can't handle without the help of the Spirit. So that transitions us into, okay, how do we cultivate and grow in these manifestational gifts of the Spirit? One, recognize that they're for all of us. They're for all of us. These things are not resident in us like the functional gifts. You know, if you're a merciful person, you are a merciful person. If you're a generous person, you're generous. If you're a teacher, you have teaching gifts that's in you, right? These aren't things that are in us. They can grow to become in us when God uses us in a certain way. We yield to him over time. That's how you can get a person who moves in the gift of prophecy after many years of working with God but we don't start with these things as resident in us. They are manifestations of the Spirit working as we learn to listen, cooperate, and work with Him. Secondly, recognize that God desires for us to hunger for them. He desires that. He wants us to choose to ask, help me learn. So it would be really easy. You could read Paul in, in the first part where he says, all these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He gives them to each one just as He determines. It'd be really easy to read a determinism into that. Oh, God chooses whatever He's going to give me, He'll give me besides me. It's not true, and it's not how it works. Paul's saying you can't force God's hand. You can't make Him do things. But God shows us He loves to be asked. Ask, seek, and knock, and it will be given, and the door will be opened. Now, to you who asks for, how much more won't he give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him, Luke 12? Eagerly desire and hunger for spiritual gifts. God wants to be asked, not just once, but over time, because he's worthy of being sought. He says in Hebrews 11.6 that he rewards those who diligently seek him. And then this. Follow the way of love. 
You want to grow in working with the Spirit? Pray daily, Lord, fill me with your love. Fill me with your love for people. Lead me toward people that need your love. Put me in situations, Lord, where I can express your love, where I can share what you've done. Follow the way of love and the gifts will come. The gifts will come. Cultivate faith. If you want to work with the Spirit, it's important to cultivate faith. How do you do this? Pray for an increase in faith. Lord, I'm not doing the things that you did. You don't have to feel guilty about it. Don't beat yourself up. You just say the word of God says, you said Jesus, he or she who has faith in me will do the things I've been doing and greater things. Lord, I recognize that takes faith. Would you please increase my faith? Would you build it up? Would you strengthen it? And he'll give the faith and you keep asking. How else do you build faith? Meditate on scripture. God, you don't change. You're the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Jesus, you said, I tell you the truth, and you tell the truth. And so I believe you. I choose to believe you. Now, Lord, help my unbelief. But you can meditate on Scripture that pictures and prophesies the way that the saints would be used until real faith rises in your heart. How else can you cultivate faith? Um, Faith is caught as much as it's taught. So... Read stories, read books of people operating in the gifts of the Spirit. And if you want any recommendations, ask Pastor Gina. She's got good good ones to give. Ask myself. Look for places or look for people that are growing in and operating in the gifts of the Spirit. And just be with them. Watch them. Ask them questions. Learn from them. Have a humble and a hungry attitude. That's what God looks for. Practice discernment. But steer clear of judgment. Practice discernment, but steer clear of judgment. Paul says, test everything. Hold on to the good. Hold on to the good. So just because you see the flesh at work in some situations, or just because you see something that's not God, that's a part of something, doesn't mean the whole thing's not from from the Lord. You've got to practice discernment. Okay? Oftentimes, when young believers start using, we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about this, when young believers start using uh, growing in spiritual gifts, there's an immaturity because their identity isn't rooted in the love of God, and so they want the gifts to be seen because they want to they wanna feel good about themselves. And so they're kind of showing off the gifts. And that's what Paul's in part running to with the Corinthians, right? They're all speaking in tongues. They all want their, their tongues to be seen. And Paul's going, uh, I'd rather have one Five words, intelligible words, then 10,000 in a tongue when we're gathered. Okay, let's not do that, he says. But he doesn't say stop speaking in tongues. He says, I wish all of you would speak in tongues. So, again, practice discernment. That's chapter 14 if you want to read it. Practice discernment without, without, um, while steering clear of judgment. Ask for specific gifts. You could even ask the Lord, is there a specific gift you want to give me? He may give an impression, but you may have a gift you want to grow in. So Professor Jack Deere, who is a seminary professor at Dallas um, Seminary, said that he prayed for four or five months. Lord, I really I pray that you would give me words of knowledge about people so that I could minister to them. Four or five months, nothing happened. And all of a sudden, he's got a student in his office sitting across from at his desk. They're having a conversation. And, and like he in, 
in bold neon, he sees the word pornography right across this student's head. He's like, you know, does a blink, like, keeps having the conversation, doesn't go away, stays there. So finally he says to this student, John, I might be off, but I just have this sense there's something that you may be struggling with. And I want to ask, is there anything you'd like to talk to me about? And you know what happens. The student breaks down and there's a confession of sin. There's repentance. There's restoration. There's healing. Because God gave insight into what he was really struggling with, not what he was saying he was in the office for. Okay? That took four or five months of asking before the first one happened. Ask. Last two. Grow in intimacy with God. Grow in intimacy with God. He speaks. If we struggle to hear his voice, that's okay. Don't feel condemned. Don't beat yourself up. We all start somewhere. We all start struggling. And and you heard noon prayer today. Five of us didn't know if it was us or the Lord. You know, the impression was soft. Couldn't tell if it was ours or the Lord. That's how you test things. But Christ is in me. I'm one with him. I've died. He now lives through me. I'm learning to trust the things that come and to test them. And when you've got processes in place to test, and you can begin to trust more and more that what's coming might be from the Lord. So you just grow in intimacy with Him. You follow the way of love. You look for opportunity. And He gives it. And then lastly, learn to cooperate one step at a time. Don't put a lot of pressure on yourself. Don't think far into the future. Just say, Lord, I really want to grow in being used by You. I want to grow in these gifts. I want You to reveal Yourself through me in ways that I couldn't. I I can't bring this transformation. And just take the next step. Maybe, maybe it's the Lord moving on your heart to bring something to a neighbor. Maybe it's a pie. Bring something over to a neighbor. And it leads to a conversation. And it leads to a relationship. And you don't know where it leads. But it can be so simple, right? One step at a time. So I just want to close with this story and then with prayer. Um, again, to, to seal why, why we want to be obedient. And I want to be clear with you. This is a matter of obedience. This is not optional. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire. That's what yielded servants of Jesus are called to. Okay, So why would we pursue obedience? I, I heard this story last night. A um, gentleman in his late 20s had a dream. And in his dream, he saw a picture of a biker outfit with a certain... Um, patch on it you know they have patches I don't remember what it was he recognized the patch and it had the name Brandon above it and then he saw the word cancer had a dream didn't think anything of it totally forgot it till he was on his way into the grocery store the next morning and as he was approaching the grocery store he saw four bikers just to the right of the door and immediately he saw the patch on one of the on one of the actually I think it was on all four of them and um, and so he, again, is approaching going, oh, God, you know, what do you want me to do? Help. Help, God. And 
You know, can you relate? And, uh, and as he approached, one of them actually said to him, what do you want? Because like he was staring at them, right? What do you want? And so he said, which one of you is named Brandon? And the guy said, I am, why? And he said, well, this will sound weird, but I had a dream last night. And in my dream, I saw a biker jacket with this and with the name Brandon and the word cancer. And immediately the guy just started weeping. And, and he said, the guy who's telling the story said, I thought he had cancer. I was wrong. When he stopped weeping, he said to me, I haven't talked to Jesus since my mom died of cancer. I stopped believing. But now I know that he loves me. And he's calling me back to him. And that young man had the opportunity to lead all four bikers to faith in Jesus Christ in that moment. I want to grow. And I want us to grow. Just to be hungry, to be sweetly hungry. To be able to minister more and more the love of Jesus, the gospel of Jesus. With the, and by the spirit of Jesus. And so let's close in prayer and let's just offer ourselves to the Lord afresh. To grow us. Lord, we love you and we thank you that, that we know you, that we belong to you. We thank you for this privileged position you've given us of sharing the joy of salvation, sharing the love that you have for the world with those around us. And Lord, we're the same as the people in the stories I told. We've got fears. We've got insecurities. But greater than those is your love. And greater than those is you who live in us and who wants to live through us unhindered. And so this morning, Lord, we're just saying to you afresh that we want to learn more. We may be young. We may be old. But we're all here as learners. And we just position our hearts before you, Lord. And we say, teach us. Use us in our schools. Use us in our workplaces. Use us in the grocery stores and the gas stations and on the streets. And Lord, inconvenience us. Inconvenience us. We're hungry. Lord, we thank you that all of this growth is grace. It's response to your grace and it's your grace at work in us. So we thank you that you're going to grow us by grace and that we're going to get to ongoingly tell testimonies of what you've done, what you're doing, how you're growing us for your glory. We pray this in your precious name, Lord Jesus. Amen.